this is the in focus podcast from the hindu hello and welcome to the hindu's in focus podcast i'm anand krishnan your host for today in this episode i'm delighted to be joined by sushant singh a senior fellow at the Center for Policy Research in New Delhi and one of India's sharpest commentators on all matters defense. In this episode, we will be discussing threadbare the disengagement plan between India and China that was announced last week. Does this actually bring peace to the line of actual control? Does this enable a return to the status quo on the LAC? And what does this mean for the other as yet unresolved sites of tension along the line of actual control in Ladakh. Sushant, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, Anand, thank you so much. It's it's a pleasure to be on your show. If I can begin with uh, Sushant and ask you for your thoughts about the statement made by Defence Minister Rajnath Singh in Parliament where he actually announced the disengagement plan and what exactly it entails and of course one of the main takeaways from the plan was the creation of essentially a buffer zone uh, on the north bank and south banks of pangong lake he offered some specifics on the north bank but was somewhat vague about what exactly is happening on the south bank and obviously we should tell our listeners that this disengagement plan only focuses right now on the north and south banks of the lake we'll come to the other areas later but sushant what did you make of his announcement and the plan uh the the first thing that strikes uh, you with this with the announcement both from the chinese side and from the indian side is uh, that both sides uh, want a reduction in tensions you know uh, especially with uh, armored vehicles tanks being so close to each other and soldiers being so close to each other there was always a danger that uh, that things could go out of hand even accidentally so that's something which is very clear that both the sides wanted to uh, wanted to reduce tensions wanted to find a way, way out right. uh, the second thing that's that that strikes us from the from the announcement is that as you have mentioned it is limited only to two sides you know the mm-hmm. kalash range on the southern bank of the of the pangong lake and on the north bank of pangong between finger 1 and finger 8 these are the only two sides at least there are three other sides or four other sites however you may define them uh, which still remain unresolved uh, if you go from north to south that is the depsang plains the gogra hot springs area and the area of demchok in the south uh, mm-hmm. so that this is a limit in that sense it is a limited disengagement or phase 1 uh, of the of the of the dis- of the of the disengagement now the uh, the way to look at it is that the the indian advantage in this position uh, mm. in this area was in on the southern bank of pangong that is the kailash range those five right. or six peaks that we had climbed you know reshen la and other passes that we that we that we had climbed in late august early september where even firing had taken taken place so it is at, at india india had that advantage in in that area even though the chinese had responded and when i spoke to some senior army officials they told me that it is almost one on one for every peak right. that we are there they they are, they, are, they are very much there but mm. still the initiative was was with us and this was the only place where we had moved in in that sense so mm. india has of course and the chinese were very keen that india walks away from this from this area from these posts and india has for very obvious reasons decided to negotiate uh, this along with the northern bank and 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 which has led to this creation of a buffer zone or a no patrol zone uh, 
between fingers three and finger eight between India's permanent post, Dhansing Tapa post, and the Chinese post uh, east of east of finger eight. Right. So that that no patrol zone uh, has clearly been uh, has been clearly done as a kind of a trade off. With, the, with India's strong positions on the on on, on the southern bank. Mm-hmm. Now, what is the importance of this no patrol zone? Is two reasons. One is mm-hmm. India in uh, the Indian Army was pretty happy with the kind of uh, no patrol zone created in Galwan. You right. Know, you remember yeah. after in, in July the the no patrol zone was created. The Chinese went away from that place where the clashes had taken place. Uh, Twenty Indian soldiers had died, ten had been taken captive, and in July that situation was resolved. Since then, mm. the Chinese have not come back in the area. Of course, one understands that India has also been denied access to Pirin, but Indians mm. are clearly happy with that. The Indian Army is pretty okay with that because it does mm. not allow clashes to take place and problems to take place. Now, while Galwan, there were there were very few clashes between the patrols of both sides historically. Right. That is not proof. That is not proof of North Bank of Pangongsi. So if you look at the North Bank of Pangong, uh, in the last five years, as I had reported earlier, between 2014 and 2019, 25% of all the uh, incursions that have taken place on the Indian side of line of actual coal, as per the uh, Indian data, have actually taken place on Pangong, on the North Bank of Pangong. That's something. So, so you know, just to clarify, uh, you mean Chinese transgressions all along the LAC, a huge chunk of them have just been in this area, if I understand you right. Absolutely. So I am talking about the whole of LAC, uh, not only the Ladakh, northern sector. I'm talking about not only the western sector. I'm talking about the western, middle and the eastern sector. Mm. And combined on the combined LAC, this is the area where 25% of the, see, of the in, uh, transgressions have taken place. Now, if you remove, create a buffer zone or a no patrol zone, even temporarily or, semi-temp- or semi-permanently, you mm. actually remove that situation where both the, both the sides come into regular clashes, which can lead to tensions as we have seen uh, at least since May, if not since last October. You know, most of us are aware that the tensions in Pan- North Bank of Pangong actually started happening last, uh, not last October, I mean to say October 2019. Mm. Not, uh, but they really went through the roof in May 2020 when PLA mm. deployed in, 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 in large numbers. So these, these are the significant features or significant characteristics which one can see from the announcement made by the Indian Defense. If I can uh, come to you to the North Bank first, uh, before the South Bank, uh, there's been a lot of confusion about what actually the status quo anti refers to uh, in the North Bank. Uh, Obviously, uh, there has been some criticism from the opposition in India saying that India is giving up access to its territory since India won't be patrolling up to finger eight. Uh, For our listeners, the fingers refer to mountain spurs uh, from one to eight. They run from west to east. Uh, So... Uh, the Chinese uh, since last year, especially, but even before that, have been preventing India from reaching finger eight, and there's a jostling that goes on. So as you understand it, Sushant, what would be the best way to describe the status quo that existed as of April 2020 here? Uh, So, you know, uh, uh, Anant in military parlance, control over a territory is is by three means, either by physical deployment of troops Hmm. or by sending your patrols over that area, or by observation. If you can observe an area, that also you right. control the territories. So every inch is not occupied militarily. So in this area, the Indian line of actual control, the maps which the Indian Army has there in the area, the line of actual control actually passes through finger eight. And right. that has been there for, for many years. But the but the Indian post, the permanent Indian post is only up to a, up to finger three, a place called Dancing Tapa Post is there, which has been historically, which has been historically there. Now the areas beyond finger 
three were being patrolled up to finger eight were being patrolled sporadically on and off by the by the indian army mm. on foot because between finger 3 and 4 is a rocky outcrop a rocky face mm. where uh, a vehicular road cannot be constructed now the thing to understand is while uh, indians claim up to finger 8 and indians in the indian army had been historically trying to go up to finger 8 it was not always possible to hit finger 8 mm. uh, as soon as the indians would leave and indians would leave on foot the chinese would come on vehicle and then the whole patrol drill, drill would start both sides would hold the banner and ask the other side to go go mm. go back because the chinese has con- chinese had constructed a road between finger 8 and finger 4 in 1999 when the indian army had thinned down to take on the kargil uh, to take on the challenge in kargil from pakistan during mm. the kargil war so the status quo in that sense was india had a permanent base at dhansing tapa post mm. india had, uh, the chinese had a permanent base to the east of finger 8 mm. the the indians would ex- would uh, would assert their control by patrolling up to Uh, up to finger eight at mm. times successfully at at most of the times unsuccessfully whereas the chinese would do vehicular patrols up to finger four mm. that was the status quo ante as of april 2020 the intention was to patrol up to finger eight how many mm. times they succeeded once in two months once in three months whether they succeeded did not succeed was uh, was a was a, sec- was a secondary question now the current agreement as announced by the defense minister in parliament says that both sides stay on their permanent bases indians at the dhansing tapa post and the chinese at at their post and they neither side patrols this area which mm-hmm. both sides were at one point in time trying to patrol and until until they formulate a new me- a new mechanism a new agreement through which patrolling uh, would be would be decided so in that sense by not being able to assert the control earlier which the indians were asserting but at the same time chinese are not able to assert their control because they were also patrolling up to finger 4 both sides are in that sense creating a no man's land a no patrolling zone a buffer zone mm-hmm. uh, which no but till the time they decide uh, they till the time they decide on an on an on an agreement mm-hmm. but that having said the fact of the matter is that chinese have the infrastructure still there mm-hmm. you know pre april 2020 infrastructure that is the road and other areas which would uh, which one fears if they do not keep their word uh, they could easily come back uh, into into this into these areas mm-hmm. the thing to also remember is that post april 2020 post may 2020 uh, the chinese had undertaken a large amount of construction uh, around finger four area around mm-hmm. the, there's a uh, there's a kind of a turning point that they have there and, and they, there's a there's a there's a small jutting out land mm-hmm. piece of land jutting out in the uh, in the lake they had they had done a lot of construction there they had parked their boats boats etc there at that point in time and indians had also constructed certain pill boxes certain bunkers and those pill boxes and those bunkers uh, w- ha- would be destroyed which mm-hmm. the constructions which had taken place post may 2020 would all be destroyed would all be re- would all be all all be removed now as you have seen from some of the reportage and in indian media in indian press the indian uh, the chinese have moved out very very quickly the right. pace of their move the pace of their moving out is pretty fast and they moved out very quickly but i was surprised to read in global times maybe you were not but i was surprised mm-hmm. to read in the global times today on chinese analyst saying that this also tells us that we can come back as quickly as we have mm-hmm. left so good point so if we can why if yeah if we can wind up and go in a day with all the stuff that we have done with all the infrastructure mm-hmm. then we, then if required we can come back as quickly we won't take that much time coming back which is kind of a you know not a real threat but it's an unreal threat in that sense it's an open threat that we could come back again so that remains a worry the lack of trust between the two sides the lack of confidence on the chinese 
Right. It does seem that uh, before this disengagement plan, both on the North Bank and the South Bank, uh, to put it simply, it was a tinderbox-like situation. And from that point of view, it does seem uh, to me to be somewhat reasonable to have both not be present. So in that case, uh, would you say that having a buffer zone where both are withdrawing to their permanent positions, we understand that's happening south of the lake as well. So would you say that that's a reasonable arrangement uh, for now, but what do you think would be things that would concern India about this arrangement? The obvious question would be, would this give room for China to make this a permanent arrangement? And if so, do you think buffer zones in conflicted LAC areas are a good permanent arrangement? Or do you think there are reasons to be concerned about applying this on the long term? Uh, so firstly, I'm not aware of the buffer zone on the Southern Bank. Uh, I don't think that an announcement was made to that effect. What I'm aware of is uh, is movement of uh, armored troops, uh, armored protective, armored uh, personnel carriers, etc., uh, going back some uh, 20 kilometers on either si- on either on either side, and then eventually going back further to their permanent base. So that's a good point. Uh, that's a, and, Ra- and Rajan Singh did not mention a buffer zone on the south yeah, side. Yeah. He was quite so, sparse uh, I, in his details yes. on on the arrangement for the south. Yeah. So because there have been lo- they, because these were areas which were uh, hitherto unoccupied by both sides, right. I, I'm not aware of a plan for the buffer zone on the southern bank. As I mentioned, one of the reasons for creating the buffer zone on the northern bank is to avoid clashes, hmm. which have really gotten violent over a period of time, you know, and, and really gotten ugly. Uh, and so so I, 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 uh, so the, the, the buffer zone is on the north bank. Hmm. Now the buffer zone by itself is a, is a, is a good idea. The point which bothers me, Anant, is uh, that you know there are uh, the India's leverage was was on the southern bank, as we know by now. That's the only place we have we had leverage. Have we sold it uh, or exchanged it for something very small? Should have should we have taken other areas also into consideration? Whether it was Depsang, whether it was Demchok, whether it was Gogra Hot Springs, because once we have no leverage left, once we have played our cards. Uh, what next? How do you how do you negotiate all the all, all the other areas? Uh, to to get back to your bigger question, uh, is uh, a buffer zone a solution to to the problem of the LAC? Uh, perhaps if there is an undefined LAC and if both sides get into a signed agreement and create a no. buffer zone which is which is equally restricts both sides, so it should not restrict only the Indian movement right. or only the Indian Indian control. If it restricts both sides equally. Uh, and prevents uh, tension, then it may achieve the answer of uh, peace and stability in the border areas. To use the formal diplomatic term right. used by but to use by in, in India and China. Peace uh, and what I picked up, yeah. peace and tranquility. So what I uh, picked up from the from from certain army officials, senior army officials, was uh, that they were happy with Galwan, the, with the with the buffer zone in Galwan, and they mm. hoped to repeat it in North Bank of Bengal. Uh, that the, the such kind of buffer zones, such kind of no patrol zones, would eventually avoid clashes, would avoid both the both the armies coming into conflict with the conflict with e- conflict with e- each other. Mm. Uh, is that a permanent solution till the time the LSE is demarcated or the boundary issues resolved at some point in time, or will it lead to further encroachment by the Chinese? That is something we will have to see. See, because essentially, Anand, at the end of the day, it is about the power differential between China. Right. The Chinese can afford to do it. Can we afford to throw the Chinese out? If we cannot afford to throw the Chinese out, the fear is that these things can be repeated almost at will by the Chinese. That's a good point. Uh, and I should clarify as well as Sushant said, there haven't been very clear details on the South Bank, which is uh, something that people have been asking questions about as well. The fact that there's a very clear 
arrangement and plan as the Defence Minister Rajnath Singh spoke in Parliament on the north bank of the lake. It's less clear on the south. Uh, the other question, of course, Sushant, that a lot of people will be asking is something that's been emphasised a lot, uh, which India has publicly said multiple times that it wants a restoration of the status quo ante, which has a very clear meaning. Now, that's going to be debated uh, threadbare, I'm sure. Uh, would you say it's fair to say they have more or less restored that if you're talking about a prior situation where both sides were present in this area to a situation now where neither side is present? So in your understanding, is that a restoration of the status quo ante? Uh, see, the, uh, Anand, the issue is if we look at uh, North Bank of Pangong or South Bank of Pangong, mm. then in isolation, this looks fine. You know, the right. big worry is the, one of the Indian considerations was that we would look at LAC as a whole and Ladakh. Correct. Uh, because that's the reason, because the Chinese had been insisting since the sixth round of talks, if I'm not wrong, or fifth round of talks, that Indians should withdraw from the uh, from the Southern Bank of Pangong. And you know, both sides should withdraw from Southern Bank of Pangong. Right. We should disengage because these are, you know, as you said, we are on a tinder box. Indians had refused. They said, they said we would look at whole of Ladakh uh, uh, together because mm. that's the only leverage India had. My worry is not about that the North Bank, the North Bank answer, uh, the North Bank solution, which, which Rajnath Singh announced in parliament is a perfect solution, but it would have been, it would have been great if it happened in isolation. If North Bank solution could have been devised which, without exchanging, uh, without giving away the leverage right. that we had on South Bank. The big worry is, as you know, the strategically the most important area remains Stepsan. It is not Pangong, so North Bank. Pangong, so North Bank essentially has very limited strategic impact. You know, you, you have spoken Just to more about the land, right? There's more about the land. It's an operational thing. You know, you've spoken to former Northern Army commanders. I've spoken to them. Every single war game, they only talk about Depsang. They, they, don't, they don't talk about Pangong. You know, they re really, Pangong is not the, not the issue. Pangong is important. It's a tourist spot. You know, there are villages. Your newspaper has reported extensively talking to those villagers, to the elected officials who, right. sp who speak that Chinese have come in here. It is embarrassing for the government politically, and therefore it is important to resolve Pangong. But the strategic challenge still remains Depsang. And what my worry is that, that uh, by, um, by altering its earlier plan of dealing with the whole thing together in one piece, and rather than uh, doing it piecemeal now, may have put India at a disadvantage. But that's my fear. That's my apprehension. It's highly possible that Indian diplomacy may, may, really, pull, uh, may really work wonders and get this thing to resolve. Now, let's come to Depsang. You did mention, uh, in your view, it was the most important. Uh, can you explain to our listeners what is the concern about Depsang? How long has the problem there been unfolding? There have been uh, conflicting reports in the press where some are saying it goes back several years uh, and some are saying there is no actual standoff or tinderbox-like situation, but more a blocking of several patrolling points for India. But explain to us why, what makes the location of Depsang so important? Yeah, so as you said, Depsang has been a long-standing problem. It's not a problem which has happened today. Uh, 2013, the most the most famous standoff, extensively reported uh, at the same place where now uh, the Indian patrols are being stopped by accessing those pet those patrolling points yeah. where the Chinese have constructed some motorable tracks and their vehicles can come. Uh, their vehicles can come. They can patrol by patrol their vehicles. So essentially, why Depsang is important? So Depsang is important because it's a plain area. It's a flat terrain area going coming from the side of the uh, side of the side chain from Tibet. And uh, uh, the Chinese have five access routes to Depsang. We have only one road going to Depsang. If 
they captured Depsang. And most military officials, I saw General Panag on record saying, whichever way you deploy our troops, we cannot sustain for last for more than 48 hours against a Chinese attack. Mm. So if Chinese capture Depsang, can reach the town of Burtse and further cross onto the, uh, onto the, onto the western side, mm. they can actually cut off India's logistics uh, support line to southern Siachen Glacier. Mm. And the southern Siachen Glacier then becomes indefensible if Pakistan comes from its side. So think of it this way. This is the only area in the whole of Indian territory mm. where Pakistan and China can physically collude. You know, we talk about collusive threat, collusive threat. This mm. is the only area where, where, where Pakistan and China can physically collude. And Pakistan and China together can actually threaten India's hold over Siachen. That remains the big worry and that is why it's a strategic challenge. That is why it has been an issue uh, which has been at the top of every, uh, every military war game in Northern Command in Udampur has featured Depsang as the, as the, as the, as the major issue. Uh, the fact that the Chinese are not, al- see the LAC there lies almost 18 kilometers to the east of the point where the Chinese are stopping our patrols. Indian patrols have to go on foot. Again, it is like the North Bank of Pangong. There is a rocky outcrop. Vehicles cannot cross. So so you have to then go on foot. Now, uh, this was known to the China study group for many years. I think almost 8, 10 years, whatever, 12 years. And the Indian patrolling points are much closer uh, to the Indian side, they are almost six or seven seven kilometers from the uh, from that from that point where the patrols are being stopped. So while the LAC is eighteen kilometers away, the patrolling points are much earlier because they, beyond that, Indians are unable to assert their control, even though the LAC 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 remains there. But Indians, as you rightly said, are are now being denied access to that to that to that patrol to those patrolling points, and the Chinese are able to assert their claim or stop Indian claim completely. And if India loses that territory at some point in time or loses that control over that territory. It makes India's control over Siachen tenuous and makes and allows Pakistan and China to physically collude in the uh, militarily collude in the in the area. That's why it remains strategically the most important uh, piece of land in the dark for India. And finally, Sushant, so where uh, do the talks go next? Uh, from our understanding, once the disengagement takes place over the next couple of weeks, north and south of the lake, they will take up other areas. Uh, so where do you think they will go next in terms of remaining hotspots in the LAC? And will Depsang finally be on the agenda once those are done as you see it? And should it be on the agenda as you see it? Uh, so, you know, my sense is initially the uh, the Indian Army had anticipated that this round of uh, disengagement on the North and South Bank would be completed by the end of this month. But I believe that things have progressed at a very fast pace. And what mm-hmm. I'm picking up is that it may get over by by the end of this week. Uh, the disengagement and this round. Uh, and as we have heard, once the disengagement is formally verified and announced, uh, within 48 hours, the next round of talks of disengagement will take place. My sense is that the next round will probably go to Gogra Hot Springs, hmm. uh, uh, the, the areas further to the north of North Bank of Pangong. And uh, they will look at uh, disengagement in those areas because initially, also in July, there had been some conversations about disengagement. And because there is no armor component, it may be easy to, nego- easy to negotiate. I do not see Depsang featuring uh, on priority before uh, Gogra Hot Springs or even before Demchok. 
I think Demchok and Gogra Hot Springs would be resolved before Indians go into a longer conversation with Depsang, because Indians have been reluctant to acknowledge uh, Depsang as a part of the problem which erupted in last May. Uh, the Indian side, as you know, has been saying that it's an old problem, it's a historical problem, we'll deal with it separately. There were major level talks which were, which were taking place separately about it, which were not part of the core commanders. So while uh, some kind of mechanism would be found about Depsang, it would probably take a lot more time, uh, not immediately. I think Gogra Hot Springs next, uh, followed by Demchok, or maybe Gogra Hot Springs and Demchok together. And then we will have to see where we go with uh, Depsang from there. Final question, uh, Sushant. The spring uh, comes around in March and April, usually a hot time again uh, for the LAC. Uh, it's been one year. It's going to be one year soon uh, in April from the time the crisis began. Assuming the buffer zones hold in the north of the lake, assuming there's full disengagement south of the lake, and assuming that the remaining areas barring Depsang are settled, do you think India is in a better or worse off situation in the summer of 2021 as compared to before the crisis began? Uh, my worry is that Indians would look at some kind of enhanced permanent deployments or semi-permanent deployments in the, deployments in the area. Hmm. Uh, is, uh, that would mean putting pressure on the army uh, on itself. Right. Uh, that would mean stretching it stretching it a bit uh, by, de- by devoting uh, more resources. And my big worry is that may set the example or the tone for other areas on the LAC, whether in hmm. the middle sector or in the eastern sector. And those kind of forward deployments all across the LAC is not a healthy scenario. This is not a healthy scenario for, for, for India. So in that sense, in the larger strategic sense of right. of forward, forward Indian deployments to avoid a repetition of 2020 uh, creates problems uh, which will consume more resources, which will sap the morale of the troops, which would, you know, you don't want a situation where all your army is deployed on the, on the, on the borders and just and doing a role of a border guarding force in a certain way to prevent ingress. And this comes from, as I discussed, uh, as I said earlier, the, the fundamental weakness that we cannot afford to throw out the Chinese ones. Mm-hmm. If, we were, if we were in a position to throw out the Chinese once they came in, we would not need to deploy it. We need to deploy because we need to prevent an ingress. We need to hold the line. And mm-hmm. I think that is going to take a, take a toll on the, on the army. And that's the, that's the big negative uh, fallout of what happened in 2020 over the Indian army. And that's something which leaves it in, a, in, a, in not in a better shape than what it was a good in, point. Uh, before the crisis. Yeah. And this obviously has consequences for our modernization plans, for the Navy. For, and, these are, and obviously this would suit China in a, in a very significant way. So we get bogged down with our continental borders. We are not looking at the maritime issues where the real where the real fight is, where where our attractiveness to the quad and to the and to the and to the west is. And because I'm talking about quad, the second challenge would be to whether should we would we still want to be part of the quad after the crisis? I think if after the crisis uh, crisis is resolved, or do we would then want to play coy and not be not go with the not go with the quad once the once we have. Uh, some kind of equation going with China. Once the BRICS summit takes place in India, uh, Prime Minister Modi hosts President Xi. Uh, would we really still be willing to uh, willing to go with Quad? And what impact would it have on India's credibility and India's relationship with with the, with the US, uh, Japan, and Australia? I think those are the bigger questions, big picture questions, which still need to be answered. On that note, I'm sure we will come back to those questions on the Hindu In Focus podcast, and I'm sure we'll have you back again, Sushant Singh. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Anand. It was a pleasure. Thank you. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, 
Stitcher and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by The Hindu. We'll see you soon.